0: Thank you for joining me this evening, today, this afternoon, whenever you're joining us, wherever you are. Today, I'm going to be talking about, um, this is a common struggle many, many people have, is how do we exercise our dogs? How do we build endurance, cardio endurance, and stamina when we can't take our dogs off leash? Uh, If you see a little dog nose poking up every now and then, you might notice Knox is here. Usually I lock them up whenever we're live, but let's see how it works. Um, Yeah, I used to live in, uh, (laughs) here he is, I used to live in a townhouse, and um, this was a big thing, you know, dogs need exercise. Um, I did not have an an, an off-leash area to take my dog. Um, It was not safe in the neighborhood to turn them off-leash, and uh, I did not visit dog parks. So what can you do to give them exercise when your dog has to stay on leash? And one of the ways that I absolutely love to engage dogs and do activities, um, keep them fit and healthy, build endurance, build a cardio and stamina is through dry land mushing, dog powered sports. Um, If you're not familiar with what that is, hang on. I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna give you some examples. I have some slides and there's um, multiple sports that you can do to get involved in dryland mushing. Have any of you, are any of you involved in dryland mushing sports? Have you heard of it before? Um, Let me know because uh, it's, it's growing popularity here in the United States. I would say it's a lot more popular in, uh, in a lot of European countries, but it, it is slowly growing. It is slowly growing throughout the United States. And uh, and I'm on a mission to spread more awareness. It's, it's amazing, amazing. So, hey, Charlie, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I've visited this topic a few times, but um, because it's such a, a new area for a lot of people here in the United States, and not just in the US, uh, I've got people who are introducing these sports in Australia and and, and other places. Um, it's uh, we, we need to build more awareness. So, um, Charlie, I know you've heard me talk a little bit on this topic before, so let me pull up. I have a couple slides here to show you. So what dry land mushing dog powered sports, what it is, um, think about when dogs mushing dogs that are mushing in the snow. Well, when you don't have snow there, how are you going to keep your dogs engaged? How are you going to keep them fit and healthy? And so what some of the people do is they train on land. And there's different ways that you can train on land, but the idea is that you it's dog-powered. The dog is creating energy and powered, and typically what you'll see is this dog here, you'll see is in like a mushing harness. Now, it's not just any old harness. If your dog is gonna be doing some pulling, is um, you want a harness that is designed for pulling. And a weight pull harness where the dog is pulling weight and the weight is on the ground, is different from a pulling harness for like canny cross and, and that's what you see right here. The person is running and you see the line is attached up towards their waist. So the the pressure where the dog is pulling, it's, it's different. It's coming high off the ground versus on the ground where you're dragging weights. So you need a proper harness that is designed for this so that the, the pressure points, it's pulling in the right spot. So um, I'm gonna show you where I get some of my equipment and the equipment that is designed for this. But the idea here, if you look at this photo, the dog is wearing a a pulling machine type harness. And if you look, the runner has their hands free. And I absolutely love doing this um, because you're more balanced and and, uh, especially if you're on uh, rocky terrain and things like that, I like having my hands free. And if you look at it here, it looks like it's attached at the waist but actually you have a special belt that sits low on the hips. So what it does is when it's putting pressure, it's not putting pressure on your lower back, it's putting pressure on the pelvic area. And so I've got herniated discs in my back and I can do this because the pressure points where it's, if the dog's pulling is not on my back, it's lower down on the hips. And then also you can't tell in this photo here, but with these belts, that these candy cross belts that you put on, they have leg loops. And at first I was kind of like, I, I thought it would be kind of feel awkward, but if it's fitted properly, you don't really notice the leg loops and it keeps the belt sitting low down on your, low on the waist on the pelvic area so that it doesn't rise higher and higher when you're exercising. So um, so yeah, it's, uh, hey Edwin, thank you for joining us and Michael and Heidi. Yeah, oh, I love dryland machine. Yes, me too, Heidi um and so there's a couple things there's a couple things when people have never done this before first they say oh, how is this different from just running with my dog okay well a couple things are different number 1 is if your dog has to be on a leash number 1 is it's freeing up your hands and if you, um, if you're a runner, if you spend a lot of time out there, if you're holding a leash in a hand or your dog is pulling, you're out of balance and you can, you can get stiff in the neck. It, it just throws you out of whack. So I like being nice and balanced with my hands free. The other thing is what's different is it's designed so that it's perfectly fine. If your dog is pulling you and it's combining cardio with strength training with resistance, Your dog doesn't have to pull you, but, um, I like it when my dog pulls because it's creating resistance training in addition to cardio strength training and cardio at the same time. And you're, you're attached by a bungee line. It has some give so that, um, it, it, it's just more, it's easier on your body and on the dog's body where it has a bungee with some give to it. Um, so those are some of the things that, that are different from just say running and and holding it in a leash with your hand. Now, here's another thing that a lot of people say, they say, well, I don't want my dog to pull. Like I, I, when I take my dog for a walk, my dog's not supposed to pull. And if I let my dog pull when I'm doing this, is this going to ruin all my training? So the way that I train is, um, when my dog is going for a walk on a collar, he can't pull. When my dog has a harness on, he can pull. And so dogs can differentiate, dogs are smart. And um, if you don't want them to pull and you train them and you're consistent, um, they won't pull. But if they know, hey, when this harness goes on, it's okay to pull, then then that's fine. And just because you're letting them pull with a harness doesn't mean it's gonna mess up all your other training. Okay, The, the, the dogs are smart. And the biggest thing is you have to be consistent. If you're not consistent with not letting your dog pull when he has a collar on, then yeah, he's going to pull you. But if you're consistent in your training and and you say okay, when when I have this equipment on, you're not allowed to pull, no matter what. When I have this equipment on, you're allowed to pull. Dogs can make the difference. But that that is something that people have been concerned about. Well, I don't want my dog to pull when my dog's in a harness, he can pull. And also, if I give him a heel position, he can pull, but if I if I'm passing somebody on a route on a road, and I'm like, no, I don't want you in front of me. I want you in a heel position. My dog's trained to heel. So I call him to heel and he gets into a, to a heel. That's a training issue. It's not an equipment issue. So if you teach your dog not to pull in one situation, your dog won't pull. If you teach a command heel, come to my side, it doesn't matter whether they have a harness or not. You say heel, they come to your side. So um, the equipment is not the, the equipment is not what's gonna make your dog pull or not pull, it's your training, okay? So, um, so th- now this is just one, one of the dry land, um, one of the dryland sports is canny cross. So canny cross is, you know, you're, you're running or you can walk. You don't have to run. You can be walking with the dog. Now, and, um, any of you here do it? Heidi, do you do, do you do, um, canny cross? Do you do, um, what, which I'm a, you said you love dry land So I assume that you're, you participate. Let, let me know if you guys do any of these sports, let me know which ones you do. But um, another thing that um, people come up with is like, well, Erica, I, I can't run. You know, I, I have a bad knee, I can't run. And so there's, this isn't the only option, okay? Number one is you can walk. And okay, maybe your dog's not getting as much of a cardio workout walking, but if your dog is pulling, your dog's getting exercise and your dog's doing some strength training. So um, so yeah, you can, you can go and take your dog out and walk. Now, it's not the same exact same kind of workout, but it's better than just, you know, going for a walk around the neighborhood where they're not, heart rate's not coming out up and there there's no other, there's no resistance training. So I, I like that. Um, uh, Tracy said your goal is to have a, a trained, uh, a trained dog while running. Tracy, do you do it off leash or on leash? Um, one of the things with Candy Cross is um, if, I mean, if you're in, if you, if you like training, is my dogs are totally trained. I can say stop, I can say go, I can say right, I can say left. Um, you don't have to have your dog trained to do all of that, but um, by a verbal command, uh, you can have that control. And also, a lot of people will do this because you, know, you may be in an area where being off leash is illegal. You can't take your dog off leash. Um, you may not be able to take your dog off leash because it's in an, an unsafe environment. You know, maybe there's um, there's um, situations that you know there might be um, cars or vehicles or rabbits running right across, and you know you have a dog with high prey drive, and so for safety reasons you might not want to take your dog off leash. But um, I do it. I take my dog dog into um, parks where you, you you have to have your dog on leash, and uh, and I can get more exercise this way, right? Um, So, hey, Giselle, thank you for joining us. Yeah, so I really, um, uh, oh, Tracy said, oh um, yeah, the belt around the the waist and the harness, yeah. And remember, it's not just, I've seen on some of these pet dog um, sites with um, equipment is they have a little strap and it just sits around your waist. It's like a belt that goes around your waist. That's fine if your dog doesn't doesn't pull, but if you're doing this for resistance training and you want your dog to pull for strength training, don't do the little belt around the waist. It's gonna put pressure on your waist. It's gonna gonna hurt your back or it's gonna strain your back. So um, if you're gonna do this, if there's any kind of resistance and you're doing some strength training with your dog and your dog is pulling, please don't just wrap it around your waist. Get the proper equipment. Um, you, you might not feel it then, but if you do a lot of it, if your dog's pulling, you're gonna feel it in the lower back, it's not gonna feel good, right? So, um, uh, Sharon, this would be an appropriate exercise for lure coursing um, whippets if you're wanting to develop, it's a different type of cardio, You're anaerobic, anaerobic, um, you're not gonna be doing the real high-powered sprinting that you do during racing, but you can do it to develop muscle, and if you want speed and acceleration, you, you want muscle strength. And so if you're doing some resistance training and your dog is walking or jogging, and you're gonna build up more aerobic capacity, which your dog needs that for longer term type endurance, um, to just have longer stamina and endurance rather than just always short bursts of energy, they're gonna last longer, but also for developing strength. And when you need speed and you need acceleration, For power, part of that variable in power is strength. You need to have that strength in addition to speed um, for acceleration. So you can definitely do this and do it for building up aerobic capacity. And also you can do it to build up stronger muscles, which definitely can help, definitely. So um, let me show you, now remember I said you don't have to run, you can walk, but you also, you don't have to do it um, on, on on your feet. Let me. I have a couple more f- photos. So this is on a bicycle, and this is called uh, bike joring, and it's different. Yeah, you can just go and take your dog out, out on the bike, but what's different here is it's dog powered. Now in this one, the dog's kind of casually trotting to the side, but the dog has a pulling harness on, and you, you have a special attachment. It's called a bike draw arm it's a, 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 or an antenna, and it goes over the front tire, and there's a lot of different styles here, but it basically goes over the front tire so that the, um, the line, the bungee line, it's less likely to get tangled. And they're turning a corner, so the dog's kind of veering off to the side. But ideally, you have the dog in front of you, like they're mushing, and they can actually pull. So you can be cycling. You can be going up a hill and cycling, and the dog can actually be doing some pulling. So bike joring is different than just having your dog run next to you is you've got the mushing harness on and it's and and your dog can pull. It's dog powered. You can aid along with your feet and pedal, but it's dog powered. So you can be doing some resistance training um, also. And you know, some dogs pull more than others. Some dogs have to learn to pull. And um, my dog was used to, you know, healing and being on the side and I had to teach him and say, it's okay for you to be in front of me and for you to pull. Right. So, um, so this would be, um, uh, another, another thing that you could do now, um, with the, uh, how many of you, um, maybe don't feel super, super secure with the idea of attaching your dog to your bike. You know, maybe you're a little worried that your dog may not listen and may, um, pull and knock you over. Right. So if I'm on the ground, I feel a little bit safer than if I'm up on a bicycle. So another alternative is I don't have a photo of this is scootering. So you know the little scooters, like the kids, you stand on the scooter. It's kind of like a bicycle, but there's no middle seat. You stand on it, um, or a kick bike. And the idea here is, um, I would say, you. a lot of people tell me they feel uh, safer when they're on a scooter or a kick bike because you're lower to the ground. And it could be a nice transition. Let me see, I did have, let me see. Oh, I don't have a picture here. Um, I had, if you do um, Google and just uh, bike bikejore, I've seen it spelled b i k e j o r e or j o r, um, but it's basically an, it's the same like a like a here. But now, if you put a scooter and you're standing on the scooter, and you're gonna have the same attachment, you're gonna have the antenna, the arm, tire. But the idea here is you're standing and you're, you're a lot a lot lower to the ground. So some people will tell me they like to do it with a scooter first and get more confident and then switch to the bike or just do scootering. And um, in some countries this is popular and they have races. They'll do um, scootering races, bike drawing races and candy cross races. Um, great question, Charlie. Uh, Charlie asked about careful about the surfaces, definitely. So thank you, Michael. Michael put a link in there. For the scootering. So definitely you want to do this on softer surfaces. You don't, even when you're just running and jogging with your dog, you don't want to do it on concrete. You don't want to do it on cement. Um, ideally, you want to do it on, you know, on grass, on dirt. Um, but yes, a softer surface. Uh, and I tell you, just when I go running by myself, if I go, if I go running on sidewalks, I totally feel it in my lower back. It hurts eventually. I, I feel it. But if I go running on dirt or grass, um, it's so much, so much easier on my body. So, um, but it's the same for the dogs, just the overall, your dog might be fine and healthy and young and yeah, sure. Not a problem. Go run on the road, but it's, it's the repetitiveness and the wear and the tear over the lifetime of the dog. Um, and also a lot of these dogs at a very young age, um, uh, there's research study shows some of these dogs have really high incident of arthritis. So you just you just don't want that wear and tear on a hard surface, ideally. Um, but um, great question. Uh, the other thing here, um, let me show you a couple other examples of what you can do. Um, one is not so much a, of a formal sport that I've seen them competing in. Let me slide down here. Um, you know, here's an example of a person on uh, ruler blades. Now, um, I don't think I don't think I've ever heard of. Um, sport competitions like in the bike joring and the scootering but you know you can get creative you can also do it on snow skis ski joring um in some of the scandinavian countries popular ski joring where you do the same thing instead of on rollerblades you're actually attached to snow skis and so if you're in an area um you know in the winter time you can be doing doing the now what i would advise you to do is if you're not a very good skier you want to develop you know some some skiing skills, develop some bicycle skills. if you're if you're new to the sport, I would recommend go out and get some lessons and um, you know develop the foundations of proper technique for skiing and then attach your dog. But I would not recommend trying to learn the sport for yourself on the skis and attached to the dog at the same time. Another thing that I like to do is um, if you're, of course, if you're on a bicycle, if you're on your skis, you don't have as much control, Um, you know, if there's a quick change in direction or, or whatever compared to if you're on your feet. So what I like to do is train the dog where I'm walking or jogging, train my dog, you know, walk, stop, sit, turn right, turn left, is I'll train my dog to go by voice commands while I'm walking or doing Kenny Cross, you know, where I'm on my feet. Then get the dog so that the dog's listening well, and then I can move into something like get on the bicycle and I have more control of the dog. Um, another thing that I'll do is when you have a harness and the harness attaches, the line attaches towards the, you know, the, the back of the harness, you don't have as much control you have more control over your dog if they've got a collar on the neck and you've got a leash on them, you've got more control over the dog. So when I was first teaching um, my dog how to do this, is I would have the belt and have it attached to m- around my waist, but I had a long leash, a really long, like a 12-foot leash, and I had it attached to his collar so that when I would give a verbal command and would be like sit or would give him a, to, a command to go right or to go left, is I would use that long leash to kind of guide him to the right and guide him to the left. If I had to, you know, give him a little, you know, tug and say, "No, sit, sit." And I would do just a light, a light touch where I have c- contact to his collar. Um, I did that the first couple times just so that I could have more communication with my dog with that long leash. And then when he started responding better, then I can just take that off the collar. Another thing that I do for safety reasons. Is I'll keep his collar on in competition. You can't do this if you're competing, but if you're not, if you're just doing it for fun, is when I'm teaching my dog, I'll have a collar on the dog and I have a, a leather tab, so it's, um, I don't know, maybe about 10 inches, it doesn't hit the floor, it's not dragging by their feet, but it just hangs from the collar. So that if I'm walking and let's say a bicyclist is coming or I have to pass somebody on the sidewalk, um, because I'm walking around. Uh, what I'll do is I'll bring them into a heel position and I use the little leather tab that's hanging off the collar to gather my dog, get my dog next to me so I have more control. So um, me personally, when I go out and, and I'm doing it like in the park and I'm doing canny cross or whatever, I always have a collar on and I always have that leather tab hanging off his collar, short enough so he can't step on it. Um, Just for an emergency, if I need to quickly get my dog and bring him up right next to me, because with a harness, like I said, you don't have as much control. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, uh, well, this right here is the rollerblading, so they don't really have, like, a don't know of any kind of formal name, but um, the bike joring, the bike jores with the bicycle and the scooter, um, some of the scooters that people use is if you do um, a kick bike. If you, um, let's see, I'll throw uh, kick scooters kick when you're looking for them. Um, some of them are made specifically, um, for doing them with the dogs. But if you Google like a, uh, a kick, a kick bike, a scooter, and you'll see sometimes they're sold for kids. Um, but they also have ones made for adults and they also have ones specifically made for dogs to be attached to them. So that would be the scootering. So let me, I have, a, I think I have another picture here. Oh, I've um so here is, um, this would be like, you know, hiking, canny cross trekking. She, it looks like she has more of a trekking belt. Um, the dog might not be pulling as much, but I do like the canny cross belt where you actually have the leg loops so that if you're running and jogging and the dog is pulling the harness, um, I mean the belt stays low, but what I wanted to show you on this photo was the harness, so you could see the pull of the harness. You see how it's coming out near the base of the tail, and then it's coming up towards the the woman's waist. So again, it's not just any old harness that you attach to the dog. You want to have a harness that's designed for resistance. If your dog doesn't pull at all, then it's not as you know. Um, it's not as as urgent that you know. Oh, you have to have the exact type of of, of pulling harness that allows for this. But um, a couple of things you do want to keep in mind is if your dog is a polar, you want a harness that is designed for pulling, where the resistance comes at about waist level, not not a weight pull where it's dragging on the ground. The other thing that you want for a harness is you want open range, a full range of motion as much as possible through the shoulders. So you don't want straps that are going to inhibit or come across the front of the shoulder of the dog um, and, and interfere with that movement. Another thing for the harness is you want the harness to sit on that breastbone. You, you don't want it to ride high up because if the dog's pulling, it can actually cut off their air. I've known of dogs with improperly fitted, well, not even that. They were the wrong harness for pulling. The dogs pulled and, and the harness went up towards their neck and the dogs passed out because it was interfering with their breathing. So if your dog, um, even just walking your dog, you want that full range of, that open area, nice range of motion through the shoulders, and you don't want the pressure of the harness to come up high on the neck, you want it to sit on that breastbone, you want it to be on the bone, so that it's not gonna interfere with the breathing. Um, But I just wanted to show you that picture so you could see how their harness was fitting. Um, And let's see let me, let me show you um, some of the equipment that I use and where I get it from. So um, the equipment that uh, some of the equipment that I use, um, nonstop dog wear, uh, great, great company. They've done, uh, they've donated prizes and stuff like that. And we've done our 50 um, K virtual challenge and our 25 K virtual challenge. Um, they just have, uh, have a brand new candy cross belt that came out and that's what you see here. Um, and it is, I'm not sure if you can see through the picture, it goes low on the waist, it has a pocket in the back, you can stuff your your keys, your cell phone in there. And it has the leg loops that you put your legs in so that it keeps it from riding up on your waist. Um, And then what it does is you don't see the front part of it, but it attaches to a bungee line where one part of the bungee hooks to the dog's harness, and the other part of the bungee attaches to your belt so um i have an older version of their candy cross belt uh the new one looks really nice and i don't know i'm tempted to go ahead and buy another one but this is specifically designed for candy cross this is actually um i have this one too this is a belt that they um advertise for um ski joring and um you can see it's a little bit bigger bulkier it has a, a really nice pocket in the back um, I actually use this for canny cross and, um, for me, it, it, um, it sits, it's for me, it's just got kind of more comfortable in how it sits. I, I'm thinking the new canny cross belt is going to uh, feel different, uh, than the last, the, the older version. But what I like about this is it has a really nice big pocket. Um, it is kind of a stiff pocket for putting your phone in and stuff. And, um, because I, I like that it's thicker in covering kind of the lower back, just kind of I don't know in reality if I get much more support, but psychologically I just kind of feel like I've got a little bit more support in that lower back and my herniated discs are in my kind of sacral lumbar in my lower back area. So I do like that it's kind of wider, it's a little bit stiffer um, in supporting kind of where it sits in my lower back. I like the feel of it. Um, But like I said, it was designed for um, for, for ski drawing One of the things that I've had some people tell me that they thought was a little challenging with Candy Cross, um, doing it with this belt, is in the Candy Cross belt, it has um, an attachment and it has like a loop. So if the dog's pulling to the right or to the left, it kind of, um, it has a little loop in there, a little metal circle that kind of tracks that leash to the right and to the left. So it's not pulling you so much to the side. And I have had um, somebody tell me that this is directed in ski joint to be more straightforward. And so um, I actually have a carabiner that I attach to the end of it. I haven't really noticed an issue with that. Now, my dogs, I don't like when my dogs pull off to the side and I really discourage that. But on um, just a heads up, if your dog kind of, you know, pulls a lot to the le- left and pulls to the right, um, it, it won't have kind of that range of motion and the free range of motion as the Candy Cross belt would have. But like I said, I've not noticed an issue with that, but I don't let my dog stray too much to the right or to the left. But um, a great question. Sharon said, um, what age should a young dog be before starting this? Typically, if you're gonna do any kind of, kind of repetitive type cardio work, road work, distance work, you want them to be physically mature. So their growth plates close, they're, they're pretty much done with their growing. And it's gonna vary by, by, by breed of dog, type of dog, individual dogs. Typically, um, a lot of breeds within one to one and a half years of age is kind of what the go-to age, what what a lot of veterinarians will say, wait until they're physically mature. Um, And normally, you can feel pretty confident by about a year and a half. But again, some breeds are a lot more slow and physically maturing. Now, with that said... That is more like the candy cross and bike drawing where you're um, doing kind of distances and the the, the pulling and the repetitive movements. If you're just going to go and, you know, go for a walk with your dog and you're not like doing distance and you're not encouraging pushing, you know, pulling and stuff. I'm just going to go out and go for a little walk with my, my dog. You know, you can just use it and attach the leash and, you know, treat it a little bit different. But if you're actually doing it as a dog powered sport, you're actually doing it and your dog is pulling and you're doing it to build cardio and build endurance and you're doing it to build muscle. You you want to you start when your dog is physically mature. But like I said, if you want to go out and just like do a short little walk with your dog and they're not pulling you and you're just kind of casually walking. Well, yeah, you can take your dog for a walk whenever. But um, if it's going to be structured exercise, repetitive exercise, pulling exercise, strength training, um, you don't want to do it um, while they're still young and and, and growing. Um, you don't want to put that extra stress on the body, um, especially with the weight pulling and stuff until they're physically mature. But uh, great question. Uh, let me let me go to the, I think I have a couple more pictures here to show you of um, equipment, harnesses. Yes, I wanted to show you about harnesses. Um, a free motion harness. This is the harness that, um, one of the harnesses that I use. And the free motion harness was designed with with the pulling in mind. Um, What I like about the free Martian, Martian, (laughs) the free Martian harness, the free motion harness is that um, the pulling and the straps, it kind of runs along the side of the dog, not, um, and it doesn't attach right onto the back of the dog. And I'm, I'm, and it's less pressure on the spine of the dog. I like how it takes the pressure off the spine of the dog. Um, And it is designed for pulling but um uh charlie said would you do hill work with a harness on um if your dog is properly conditioned that's hill work is more advanced conditioning but yeah you can do hill work if your dog is properly conditioned if you've got a you know physically mature dog um you don't want to start with hill work you want to make sure you have a good fitness foundation and then you can build up to hill work but yeah you totally can do hill work with it yeah definitely um if your dog's fit and healthy and, and and it's not a beginner fitness program it would be more advanced Um, so that is the free motion harness that I use for the candy cross. You can do, you can use the same harness for bike drawing, scootering. You can use the same harness, um, for, uh, for ski drawing. Now, um, some harnesses fit different dogs better than others. So, um, you know, you may find that you try different sizes. If you have any questions, the company, um, the the distributor based out of Alaska here in the United, it's a it's a worldwide company. It's a Norwegian company, but they're they're all over the world. But if you're ordering through North America, um, they're really really helpful. They're, they're based in Alaska, and if you're not sure about the sizing, don't hesitate to email them and contact them to get recommendations on getting the proper size. But um, but do be aware, you know, remember some of the things where you know you want the that range of motion in the shoulder you want it you don't want it to sit up too high on the neck um you know sometimes it's helpful to if you can to try out some harnesses to make sure you get one that fits your dog right and they have different styles of harnesses this isn't the only one so depending on your dog's structure there might be a different harness that might fit better but this is um the one that i use um, another harness, um, I would say, um, that is kind of more of a casual, everyday harness, maybe if you're not doing um, really pulling, this is um, their line harness. And um, it's you can see it's shorter, um, it attaches higher up on the back, it's kind of for everyday use. Um, I, I would not use this if my, if I'm actually encouraging my dog to do pulling and, and the resistance training and, and real serious bike drawing and ski drawing and canny cross. But if you're just going out for just a casual walk, you're not really doing it for strength training. Um, it's uh, I just they donated one for a prize for our 50k virtual challenge. And I just got it the other day and I was impressed. It's uh, well made, and you can see look at the shoulder, you see the nice open shoulder here. Um, lots of room there for the shoulder and for the movement. But like I said, if you're going to be doing um, doing this, you know, seriously, you're going to be doing a lot of miles and kilometers. If your dog's going to be pulling, I would not you this would be more for like a casual everyday activities. If you're going to be doing, um, resistance training and pulling, I would choose one of the ones, um, more specifically geared for the pulling. Uh, let's see, do I have another, another picture in there? Um, I don't have a picture of the, um, the bungee so one thing i did want to highlight here is the 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 leash the line that attaches the dog to you don't just use any old you know dog leash you you want to get one that's designed and it has it doesn't have to be 100 all bungee line but you do want to have where it has some give to it because it's just going to be easier especially like even Knox, when he'll be in a sit and I'll say, okay, let's go. And he's really excited, and so he goes from a sit, and then he all of a sudden goes forward and starts, you know, running. Um, there's that little bit of pull, that extra pull when he first starts. And I don't want, I don't want that sudden jerk on my back, and I don't want that to be jerking him either. So the, having that bungee and that give is going to be really important, just to ease the pressure on you and the dog if there's any quick change of motions or going from a sit and automatically instantly going into a trot or a run. So. Uh, yeah, if I missed a question, you guys, uh, I'm, this is playing, I think in a couple different areas on Facebook, um, or if you're watching a replay, Uh, if I miss a question, please put your question down and I will go back and I'll make sure I answer it. Um, even if it's not live or if I, if I happen to miss your question, just put it, put it down. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, this is just one company, but, uh, they have different styles of harnesses. Like I said, if you have any questions, I would recommend just reaching out. Uh, to the company oh i have a couple if you want to learn more in some other places if you want to talk to people who are you know experienced in this and give you some feedback and recommendations is there's some organizations that you can join and to be aware of um this is an international this is the um ifss it's the international federation of sled dog sports it says sled dog sports but they also um have dry land mushing events and championships throughout the world so um you don't have to be involved in sled dogs you don't have to do stuff in the snow Um, but they span they sponsor and they do dry land mushing events then they have world championships and um, national championships and this would be a a great place to go uh, to find people that are really experienced um to find events that might be happening near you Um, but that's a source for information again that is international Um, then we have for the United States, I'm a member of, it's the United States Federation of sled dog sports. So, um, this is if you're in the United States, um, I was actually, um, a member of their national team. They had a two dog national team. I I could have competed. Um, I could have competed nationally. My dog that I was doing this with, he's not super social. So um, you know it would be great if I could compete and race, uh, but um, I do it just for fun and for exercise. Um, And uh, when they compete, the dogs are out there with other dogs. You need to have a dog that's social and you need to have a dog that's, or even if they're not social, you need a dog that will ignore the other dogs. So um, my my dogs aren't, um, they didn't grow up with this and being in in packs of dogs and racing with packs of dogs next to them. And um, they're not super, super social with uh, strange dogs. So I don't race and compete with, with other dogs around me, but I'll just go out in the parks and the trails. And I like to do it, just the two of us for exercise and to have fun. But if you are a competitor at heart, um, uh, it, uh, it doesn't take much. It just takes uh, some, some motivation and dedication and uh, getting out there and getting involved. But um, I, I have a number of people I've known that have competed at the international level and have competed in um, overseas and in Europe, and they are—they don't have tons of events in the United States. It is growing, depending on where you live. Like in the Northeast and Maine and um, Vermont, there are certain parts of the states that you'll see uh, more involvement in some of these sports. But do know that some of them—they do the 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 mushing sports on the snow, but also they'll sponsor the dryland mushing where you are on the bike candy cross where you're running and scootering. So there are formal formalized sports that you can participate in. But even if you don't want to compete, I would encourage you to um, join the organization, um, follow, follow them in social media, ask questions and reach out to people. I found that they were excellent in mentoring me and giving me advice and helping me along when I just started. So um, just be aware that there are resources out there. Um, so the question here is, Tracy said for jogging, do you um also recommend not before one, one and a half years? Yeah, especially if you're you're gonna be doing some some distance. Um, ideally, if they're younger dogs, you want to do more kind of self-directed, self-moderated type play and exercise. If you can take your dog um off leash and you know, let them kind of monitor, but I'm um what I will do with a younger dog, like I said, is I might do it like where I'm going for walks with them, a casual walk. I might walk and do a little jog and just kind of casual walking. And yeah, I'll take a it's like taking a young dog for a walk. Um, maybe I'll put the harness on it. But like I said, with a um even for candy cross, I'm not gonna encourage a lot of pulling and strength training and I'm not gonna do um, you know, focus on the resistance or or the distance where I'm building lots and lots of miles. I, I don't wanna do that with the younger dogs. Um, but will I take a younger dog out and go for a walk and you know, might do um, you know, I mean, I'm a slow jogger, I'm not fast, so it's not much at all if I have like a you know a seven month old dog and I'm you know doing a, a, a short little jog, I don't jog for long. but um, but definitely if you're gonna be doing it in structured repetitive activities, and definitely if you're doing it for strength training and resistance training and you're purposely wanting to build muscle, I would wait until the dog is physically mature, whether you're on the bike or on the ground. Yeah. Now I will say this. Um, there are uh, people, there, there definitely are people involved in the uh, sled dogs. Um, there definitely, this is kind of controversial. Uh, there, there definitely are people out there that are um, in the sled dog world, I know, that are doing things with these dogs at a younger age. But what I'm referencing is kind of um, some of the top veterinarians who specialize in um, canine fitness and and rehab for canine sports athletes Um, and some of the conferences that I went by some of the veterinarians who are specialists in canine fitness. Um, That's who I'm kind of citing um, from the kind of the reference that it's a year, year and a half. But I will say, you know, if you go searching, you will see people that do argue other points. But um, these are some of the veterinarians that I trust and some of the veterinarians that I highly respect who are specialists in um, sport dogs and working dogs and, and um, conditioning for sport and working dogs. The people that I respect and trust, that's been the recommendation is wait until the dog's physically mature. But like I said, there is some controversy over that. You search around on the internet, you will you will find people who have other viewpoints on that. So, let's see, and that was, yeah, I think that was the last the last slide that I had. The last thing I had here, oh, Candy Cross USA. Um, there, if you wanna know about some of the events happening in the United States, um, Candy Cross USA, I kind of have um, a chapter, there's Candy Cross Maine that I'm just starting up um, through Candy Cross USA. I, I was, when I was in New Jersey, there was a Candy Cross um, New Jersey if you go to their website, they have different, um, you you can go by state to see if there's anybody kind of organized and, and, and promoting this in states. But if you just follow them on social media, sometimes when there are events happening, like I said, there's not a lot in the United States. But if you follow their Facebook page and you know, follow them on their website, they do occasionally, they'll post when there's events when there's races or when there's more like fun runs and stuff like that, where you're allowed to go and take your dog with you. So, um, so just be aware that's there. And then also if you're wanting to know more information about um, you know, how do you structure a program and you want to know more about, you know, what is appropriate for a puppy? What is appropriate fitness for a senior dog? um, How do you move that one year old dog, that year and a half dog? And how do you build endurance so that, you know, you can take that dog out for that 13 mile bike door ride. (laughs) Um, If you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, I just wanted to um, give a a quick reminder and and also for those who don't know, we have the Elite Canine Athlete Program. It's an online canine fitness program. It can lead the certification if you choose, but um, in the program, we talk about canine fitness, the um, different components of canine fitness, um, how to determine kind of where to start with your dog, with the fitness, how to build a fitness program, things like uh, exercise recovery and hydration and preventing heat stroke. We go into all kinds of detail about canine fitness, building programs and also teaching people about how to do these types of things safely with their dogs. Um, I'll throw the link in the chat box. If you go to the website, you'll see we have a number of different programs the northeast canine conditioning we have a number of different programs and courses if you go to the website you'll see the elite canine athlete where you can download the brochure but i'll also just throw the link in the chat box for you if it will let me oh it's not letting me type it in this did this last time i tried to um put the um put the url oh, here we go here we go. It just let, let me do it. If you're watching this live from the Northeast canine conditioning, my Facebook business page or my personal page, um, I just put the link in there that goes directly to the brochure. Just download the brochure, take a look at it. If you want to know more, uh, there's an application or just reach out to me and I'll schedule a time on phone or internet and I'll go over the details of the program. And we have a number of different canine fitness programs. So if this isn't the best match for you and you want to learn more about canine fitness, um, just reach out to me and I'd be happy to talk with you and uh, and let you know what would be the best fit for you and your dogs, um, your, what your interests and your needs are, whether you're a dog trainer, um, whether you're doing it just for fun, if you're looking at it for competition. Thanks, Erica. Yeah, I got the link to go through. I'm not sure why I did that. So, awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to share that today. Um, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful way to uh, build strength, build cardio, um, build some endurance in your dogs. Um, you, you don't have to take your dog off leash. Um, you can take them to areas where maybe you, you wouldn't feel comfortable going with your dog off leash and still have fun. And depending on what you decide to do, um, you know, it could be where you're on the ground running with your dog, but you know, you can do something that's not as hard on your body, scootering and bike joring. um, it's, it could be easier on your body and you can still give your dog a great workout. Um, I will say this, uh, again, the stuff that I'm showing here and kind of promoting, you want to do it with physically mature adult dogs that are healthy, injury-free, cleared by a veterinarian that you know that they can participate in an exercise program. And uh, the last thing I wanna say is when you're starting this, I don't care how fit or how how in shape your dog is, if your dog's never done you know, going alongside the bicycle for a few miles, if your dog's never done ski drawing, you wanna start easy and you wanna start short and low intensity, and you want to slowly over time, over weeks, build this up. When I first started with Knox with Caney Cross, I only took him out for like a half mile, and we only he only jogged for about a quarter mile, and then I just slowly over weeks and weeks started building it up. So even if your dog is is really fit and you do a lot of activities, um, your dog may not have may not be used to this type of activity. So you need to condition for the particular sport. Also, you may say, hey, Erica, my dog goes running with me all the time and we run 10 miles. Is your dog pulling you when you're running 10 miles? So running 10 miles with your dog next to you without pulling or running 10 miles off leash is very, very different if your dog is attached to a pulling harness, like a mushing harness, and your dog is now creating resistance pulling. Very, very different. So your dog may, may be amazing and, and be doing miles and miles and miles with you when you're hiking and jogging, but the minute you start adding resistance, it's a, it's a different exercise. So even if your dog is fit and you do a lot of activities with your dog, please build it in gradually and, and slowly build the, the intensity and the distance. And um, and to build up the fitness level, you don't wanna do it sporadically once every blue moon. If you're only doing it once every two to three weeks, you're not giving your dog's body the time to acclimate and get stronger and get more efficient in the exercise. So I would recommend um, if you wanna be building stamina, building endurance, building strength, um, I like to think of it as two days a week as just maintenance. But if you're wanting to actually build, your end goal would be to be building up to three days a week or more. Um, But, again, if you're just starting out, don't start with three days a week. Don't start with three miles. Start, you know, keep it short. Keep it easy. And um, try to do it, you know, three short sessions throughout the week. Keep it short. And then slowly build up over time. Um, But building those fitness programs is a lot, lot more to it. Um, there's, uh, there's some science behind it and, um, there, it's a lot more, it can get pretty complicated knowing exactly if you have a goal that, um, you know, you want your dog to be able to do 13 miles, you know, in a certain amount of time, if you want to know more, check out the elite canine athlete program to learn more about how do you actually build in those programs? How many times per week? When do you progress? When is it too hard? When should it be easier? Those are the types of things we talk about in the program. So Awesome. Hey, Zakia. Good to see you. Um, so the question is how often, oh, we were just Think you wrote this while I was talking, how often and in what amounts do you, um, oh, add joint supplements to the feed and when do you know they've reached a therapeutic level and or, um, maintenance dose. So, um, it's going to be, um, what your dog needs and what you're supplementing is going to be very individual depending on your dog, what you're currently feeding your dog, your dog's activity level. So I would recommend, um, we have, uh, Dr. Athena Kepler, who is uh, an instructor, she teaches with Northeast Canine Conditioning. Um, She is kind of our our expert in nutrition. I don't proclaim to be an expert in nutrition. My area is fitness, But, um, but what I would recommend is doing for these types of questions is to get with an expert in nutrition and have a consultation so that you can review your dog, the current fitness level, um, the age of the dog, the breed of the dog, what do you currently free- feed? What is your current activity level with the dog? All of these are gonna play in in the variable of, of deciding what do you then add to it. But I will say this, Akia, is that um, there are some research studies that show that most definitely um, adding some of the supplements for preserving the joints, um, you know, the, the glucosamine and chondroitin and um, adding some of the oils and things like that with it, Um, You know, we do have studies that show that it definitely can help in um, slowing down that kind of wear and tear of the cartilage. And that definitely can be beneficial and helpful for the dogs. So my dogs, I put them on joint supplements. I think Knox, I started when he was uh, about a year and a half, a year, year and a half. Um, and, uh, we do know that sport dogs and working dogs and dogs that are more active, um, they can be at a, a at a higher risk for, you know, older age down the road, experiencing more arthritis, more wear and tear on the body, it's just like humans, you know, you have a football player that's been out there, pe- you know, playing, um, years and years of football from high school to college, you know, they're feeling those aches and pains when they're in their forties and fifties. Um, and and think about a dog that's not doing much, you just get more wear and tear in the body. So you wanna preserve those joints, you wanna try to maintain that conditioning as long as possible. So definitely there are benefits to giving the supplements and and giving them things to help with the, the joints. And you wanna do it to help preserve it. You don't wanna wait until your dog is getting old or wait until your dog already has arthritis. The idea is that you wanna preserve it and slow down and minimize that wear and tear over time. So if you're waiting until your dog gets older to start doing it, you know you've missed an opportunity to kind of slow down that that process. So the idea is you want to slow that process down and be doing it before the dog needs it. If that makes sense. So, oh, what do I do? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, like I said, uh, um, Zakia. Uh, I'll, put, um, I'll put her information down here, um, but it's um, Athena, A-T-H-E-N, Kepler. She is um, who we have uh, available for doing one-on-one consults and helping with nutrition. Um, and then I do, if you go to the VOSM, the Veterinary Orthopedic Sports Medicine, they're in Maryland. Um, on their website, they've got some great white papers and articles on there on joint supplements. And I basically um, follow and use what, um, what they recommended in some of their articles. And I'll just throw this in the link. Oops, it's VOSM.com, Veterinary Orthopedic Sports Medicine. And if you go to their site under resources, they have videos, and they also have articles and white papers. I'll throw this in the, um, in the, in the box. But if you go and read, they have some really good, they have some good articles summarizing research on supplements. And, um, they, um, my mind just blanked out on the oil that I, I mix with the, um, the supplement cause, uh, but it, it's in those articles, uh, but double check those articles. Yeah. Again, it's V O S M V as in Victor vosm.com. And you want to click on resources and they have videos and articles on there. And they have, I think, about five, six articles on there specific to uh, joint supplements. So check it out. Awesome. Any other questions? Again, um, any interest at all in learning more about this, check out the Elite Canine Athlete Program, um, which can lead, you can choose to do it for certification to become a Certified Canine Athlete Specialist. Um, we specialize in looking at canine fitness for the needs of sport and working dogs, those high energy dogs, high driven dogs, but most definitely you can apply that information to the pet dog audience. So yeah, definitely check out that, um, check out that website. They've got, um, they've added tons of new articles on there, um, since over the last few months, but, uh, under they have, um, they have white papers, um, knee conditions, food, foot and heel conditions, elbow conditions, shoulder conditions, groin conditions, neurological, joint supplements. Oh, they've got three um, three articles on joint supplements, um, and they have a whole bunch of articles on regener- regenerative uh, medicine. And I'm not sure if I can, let me see if I can um, actually pull up, let me see, I was going to see if I could actually pull up their website for you, or right, here we go. I'll actually pull it up on the screen. Give me one second and I'll show you where it is. I think it's easier if you can actually see it. Let me do this. Yeah, this is what the, um, if you go to the VOSM, Veterinary Orthopedic Sports Medicine, and let me just scroll down. And this is under articles. And at the top it's, um, and you can download them. So it's, um, articles, some of them are summarizing research studies and some of some of them, um, give more details on the studies, but like I said, they got white papers, um, hip dysplasia, um, iliopsoas um, injuries, all kinds of great resources there. And then also if you click right before that, um, when you first click on resources, they also have multimedia. They've got some great videos here. Um, and they've got videos on forelimb assessment, hind limb assessments. Um, they had some great stuff here on um, iliopsoas, um, elbow, uh, shoulder shoulder issues. Here's medial shoulder syndrome. So some really great resources. So basically, um, yeah, from those articles on the joint supplements of Zakiya, um that's what I, I kind of followed some of the research articles and then immediately went out and you know, got some of the The supplements and the oils and stuff uh, that were cited in the articles. That's what I give. So cool. any other questions? You guys have some great questions tonight. Sometimes you guys are like really quiet, and then other times uh, I, I love when you guys share and ask questions. So if I missed your if I did miss any questions, um I will go back and if you watch the video replay, you can still ask questions and um uh, or, or just message me also. And again, if you're um, interested in learning more about the Elite Canine Athlete Program, you can um, download the brochure, message me directly, go to Northeast Canine Conditioning, um, it's Northeast Canine, the letter K, the number nine, NortheastCanineConditioning.com is our website. So, all right, you guys, I'm gonna log out and you'll guess what I'm gonna be doing tomorrow. Anybody wanna guess what I'm gonna do tomorrow? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take Knox out for, um, I think we're gonna go on a candy cross run tomorrow. And in, uh, in Acadia, I try to, um, I actually try to take him out about three days, we try to do a candy cross run about three days a week, um, we were averaging about three, three and a half miles, and now we're building up to four miles, uh, I'd love to get back up to five miles with him or more, so, all right you guys, I don't see any more questions, so again, thank you for joining, I am here on uh, Catch Me Live on my Northeast Canine Conditioning, my Facebook business page, every Friday, p.m. Eastern time. Um, Love love for you to join us live and ask questions and share and participate. But if you can't catch us live, you know, watch the replay. I also um, post these as podcasts. And um, if you find anything helpful or informative, um, please feel free to share with others because if you learned something or if you got a little bit inspired, I'm sure somebody else will too. So awesome. Thank you so much. All right, logging off. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have fun. Bye-bye for now.